Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Um, this is podcast number 11, uh, recorded yesterday, um, Wednesday the 15th. Um, I interviewed San Diego artist Kelsey Brooks. We've known each other for, I guess, probably like five or six years now, maybe a little bit longer than that. I actually saw one of his screen prints that he did on cardboard on the street and snatched it off the uh, back of some sign, and, and it became a part of my collection. But um, we talk about that a little bit. Um, we go over uh, uh, science, art, spiritual philosophies, um, art jobs, illustrations, working with galleries. Um, he just had a show in Berlin that he got back from. We, uh, we talk about that. We talk about mushrooms and yoga. He gives the he gives away uh, Banksy's. Uh, <laughs> no, okay, I won't say that. I was gonna say he gives away Banksy's identity, but that's silly. Uh, but we do talk about Banksy for a second and uh, the some galleries in London. Uh, and the guy's a surf bum, so obviously we get into some of that too. Um, Really interesting guy, super positive, totally inspiring. Um, he's done a lot of cool shit so far in uh, in his art career, and he's a go-getter. So make sure you go like that Facebook fan page, motherfuckers. It's uh, If you just look for Search Live Free Podcast, or, or just go to my Facebook, Mike Maxwell Art, and, uh, and you should be able to link up to it. You can listen to all these podcasts there, or uh, you should also download the uh, or subscribe to the rss feed so that it downloads right to your itunes it's the easiest way to do it if you have any questions or comments or whatever disses arguments insults uh constructive criticisms uh you can email me at info at mikemaxwellart.com um you can follow me at twitter at mikemaxwellart uh, if you go through my website, mikemaxwellart.com, you can click on the blog link, and it, uh, it I always post up, you know, like work and um, some of the ideas that we talk about on each episode. So each episode has its own little blog post with uh, with information about um, each guest and some of the shit that they do. So you should definitely go check that out. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Kelsey Brooks. Yeah, that one is pretty weird. All the cushions kind of smell strange. Now, one of my friends was telling me there's two two different strains, and one is called like sativa, and one is called something else. Indica. Indica, and the sativa one is the nice one. That's one my friends like. The the reality is is that uh, they're really all basically hybrids. Oh, really? You know, by this point, and I smoke so much that it all is kind of the same to me. It doesn't. It does. It all affects me the same way. It's pretty much just weed. Really? Yeah. What? Well, that's the hashish right there. So they sell this too. Uh huh. And keef, which is that next that one back. That stuff is made with the cuttings. The powdery stuff is keef, and they take the buds and rub them over a screen, a silk screen. Yeah. A real okay. tight knit silk screen, and all the crystals fall out. But um, there's not. It's like just little slight differences in how they look. I I usually pick by sight. Just the way it looks. Why? Because it's kind of hard to tell by the scent. I was just saying recently that um, that the dispensaries are kind of fucked up because they just put all their buds in a big jar, and with all the buds all together as one like large scent, it kind of like makes it not smell like. Wait, the way I thought each they do. Smells. They still they separate it. No, but they have they have it in in, in big um, big jars like on display, right? But, um, yeah, let's, well, I'm going to smoke, I got to smoke this joint to get started. Does that make you feel okay? Yeah. You feel what do you, okay with that? You always got to smoke to get started? Or yeah. What? Well, it's it just goes. now, it's become ritual, you know what I mean? But, oh, wait, um, who, was this, who was this other guy? Uh, Josh from the Silent Comedy. Oh. The okay. band, the Silent Comedy, that I did some album cover work for. I interviewed their, uh, one of the, their lead singer, I guess, uh-huh. the front man, bass player. But there's some. I was just uh, looking at some posts about um, BHO oil, which is uh, butane oil. Uh, that people get, they get these metal cylinders and pack them full of weed, 
and then um, get like this really high pure, uh, a, a really pure butane, and spray it through there, and all the crystals come freezing out through the bottom. What? And put it into like this boiling pan, right? And it, it creates like this, like, um, like a, a layer, like a film of oil that they scrape out. Yeah. Fucking gnarly. But I, mean, I think what it's super illegal. You just, it's the same thing like the hash. You just put it on a little bud and smoke it. But it's like it's pure like, THC kind of. I think the like, idea is that you get pure THC, right? It sounds like cocaine or something. You well, know that's what I, mean? I was warning people. I was like, hey, you know, like this is, if, you, if, you're, if you're making this, you're manufacturing uh, narcotics. You start painting on some wood. You're still a canvas guy, right? Doing a lot yeah, of canvas. canvas. Well, I just was doing some stuff on wood, not just like a couple of days ago, actually. It was kind of fun. It's good, you know. You don't think too much about it. At least, for some reason, I think more about the canvas than I do the wood. What do you mean you think about it? Like you think? I don't know. Well, I guess the wood is. It, it just seemed a little bit more disposable. It was just doing some installation stuff at the the Garuka guys got a house in Hawaii for the season, and they needed some artwork, so I went out there and did some art. So. You smoke weed every day? Yeah. What about Crystal? No, she doesn't smoke at all. Really? She tried a, a bit of a cookie recently. Oh, yeah? We jacked her up. She took one bite, and she did not like it. One, She took two bites, sort of separated. Yeah. And she got through the first wave and thought she was cool, and then got hit by the second wave, and was like, this uh, is some bullshit. I mean, I smoke every once in a while just socially for fun, you know? like. You really so should I'm have partook in this, my friend. I'm not too worried about it. I'm disappointed in you. Yeah, some people's um, biology is just not meant to deal with it. Like for me, like just yesterday, I had a dr- I had one beer before I ate lunch, yeah. and like I felt a little buzzed from it. Yeah, fuck yeah. But I could smoke like twenty bong loads and be fucking chilling. Really? Yeah, no, like no problem. Like it's like I'm still sober, you know. That shimmy Joe. Yeah, and then Steve Caballero. Yeah, who's the other? Some fucking knucklehead that I fucking that we cut out and put somebody else's our friend's face. Crystal did that. <laughs> See, are you wrapped up here? Look, at you're on here. You're on the side. Oh, nice. It's an old school joint right there. All right, let's start this thing. All right, let's do it. All right. So, thank you for coming up and doing the show. I appreciate it. You got it, dude. Um, where'd you grow up at? Um, I grew up in Denver, Denver, Colorado. Were you were you exposed to art at a at a young age at all or? I mean, like any kid, you know. I guess I drew and yeah, painted yeah. and that sort of shit. But I didn't like. Um, oh, you know, I never really studied it in school or something. I do remember it, when I was a little little kid. Like the first real experience I had in art was in an art class, and I remember um, one of my teachers came up to me and was like. You know, like she was like looking at my drawings. She's like, "Oh, those are good. Those are good." And I don't know I just I just felt like I was over it. And we were doing like figure drawing. I was like, you know, fifth grade or something. Uh-huh. And I remember like you know a couple of my friends had learned to draw like planes and perspective and stuff and like do cool shit. You know, helicopters. Like, and yeah, shit. yeah. But it was in perspective. You know, it wasn't uh-huh. shading or anything. But like the wings were coming out and up. And I was like, whoa! Like, damn, these guys are good at drawing. You know, yeah. and like I really <laughs> thought I really respected that. But I remember she, we were doing this figure drawing, and I was kind of over it, and she was like, all right, one more, you know, it'll just take 10 minutes. And I remember just being like, oh, fuck it, like, I'm not even going to try on this, you know? Yeah. And I just, like, I looked at what it was. It was, like, one of my buddies, like, dressed up as, like, I don't, I don't know, had a robe on him or something, and, like, was carrying something. And I just drew it as fast as I could, and I didn't even think about it. And I just left it, you know, I didn't, handed it in. And that, I got, like, the best grade nice. I ever got on that <laughs> one, because I just didn't give a shit, you know? I just yeah. drew what I saw, how I saw it. And that, like, if that's something I still think now, like, as I'm starting painting, if I get into a place that I'm, like, stuck or I'm not feeling very stoked on it, I'm just like, like, fuck it, just destroy it and do, do it how you want, you know? Like, just yeah. don't think too much. Like, just Be draw, cerebral just feel about it. it. Just feel it, you know? Mm-hmm. Don't, don't think too much about it. And it always ends up better that way. Oh, the art always seems more, like, true or something that yeah. way. But, yeah, that was my only real experience with art. And then after that, it was, it was all science, you know? I studied science... From, from then on, you know, area of emphasis in high school, and then continued on in college. And you, you stayed in Denver. Did you go to uh, Colorado State? Yeah, or? yeah, I went to Colorado State in Fort Collins. Um, and you, you, you had science on the brain right from the get go. Like you knew that was what you were gonna do. No, I wasn't. I haven't been very. What I thought, 
what I've, I've come to realize is I was never really very self-directed as a kid. It was just sort of like doing what my parents told me and doing kind of like what your teachers told you. You know, you're, you're taught as a kid to like respect authority and pay attention to what people say and like act good in class, you know, mind your manners, don't speak up. Uh-huh. It's all the things that won't make you a successful person in the future, you know? <laughs> right. It's kind of fucked up. I mean, they'll make you follow the line. If you were going to want, if you want to work at a company for the rest of your life and get a 401k plan and have 2.2 kids, you're going to totally do well that way. Yeah. And so, yeah, right. it makes sense to like train the masses. That's, that I way. said that almost the, that same, that same paragraph yesterday that like we're trained right from the get go to, uh, you know, go sit in the classroom and do what we're told. Yeah. Go to ask to go to the bathroom. Sure. Get directed to, to talk when you're when you're supposed to talk and just get in line like, a, yeah. like the rest of the fucking sheep. Yeah. Go get your conform. lunch tray and fucking move on and go go work in some shitty office with some shitty people that yeah. you don't want to be around every day, right? And it's fine for most for ninety nine percent of the population. That right. is totally good and it <laughs> right. works well. Yeah. So it you know it's it it behooves us to all continue on that same path. It's just. The people who kind of aren't satisfied with that, they're going to find their own way anyway, doing something more unique. So, and you know, usually it's not you're not too hampered by the kind of following the line shit. But as a youth, as you to back get back to the question, I was not very self-directed. I just sort of did what I, you know, was kind of told to do. Yeah. And my aptitude in school was for was for math and was for science, and so those were the things that I was kind of shuffled towards. You know, it was like, okay, this is what you like. This is what you're good at. So then continue on this path and. So I studied biology in school and then um, finished up with microbiology. And then I worked for um, this place called the CDC, Centers for Disease Control. Um, they had an office in Fort Collins, Colorado. And so I did that after I, I had a fellowship there for a year and a half. Did that and um, kind of was bored with that and then left. So did you hear about that, uh, that new bacteria they found out in Mono Lake? It was... Um... Arsenic-based? Yeah. Oh, I thought they had engineered that, but you're saying that was just something they found. Well, the uh, apparently there's well, you know, like always, whenever something new is sort of unraveled, yeah. you know, there there was a group of people that put out a bunch of like a report of this this new bacteria. Yeah. That was missing um, one of the key components to all known existing life, but yeah. it was replaced with arsenic instead. Yeah. And, but then a bunch of like NASA scientists came out and was like, eh, this is not all the way put together. Like this, this shouldn't have been released yet. Like they didn't say it wasn't true. They're like, it's not all the way. It's, it's not good science. apparently. Yeah. I did read something about that. I've been gone for like a month and a half, so I wasn't super up on it, but at the airport in Berlin, I just quickly saw um, a newspaper from somewhere. I think it was the New York Times. And it had mentioned that, and I was like, oh, sweet. That's kind of interesting. But it didn't seem all that amazing to me, you know? Like, it was on the front page of the New York Times and Wall Street Journal. And I was yeah. like, this is not that big of a deal. I wonder yeah. what's up. And this is it's, I'm waiting for those ice caps to melt to see what all, all sorts of new creatures and things <laughs> they find under that shit. Um, so you, you, you decide to, to give up a science career and move into art. Obviously, that's probably, like, a scary-ass step, but... Um, what kind of things got you through, like in in that process of of transitioning, like oh, ignor ignorance for sure, complete ignorance as to what I was doing, yeah. and just like kind of like confidence and you know just hoping for the best, you know, just like jumping in feet first and hoping that it would all work out. And I mean, you know, realistically, that was what kind of started the whole thing. But it wasn't until I made a couple good connections in the art world that it started to become a feasible reality for yeah. me to stop losing tons of money every month. <laughs> right. And start well, I remember, I remember seeing your screen prints up. I still, I have one somewhere around here, uh, that was on cardboard that was like stuck to a sign. Oh yeah. yeah. And I climbed uh, up there and took it. It was like double sided tape to yeah. the back of a sign or something. And, uh, and then I left a sticker with a note saying that I was, that sorry I had to take your your <laughs> piece that was stuck up but I wanted to keep it or something yeah. and I I didn't know yet and I I think I had seen a couple of them around they were like the uh just like the the lion teeth I think yeah yeah or just like a, it was just a mouth yeah maybe there was some lettering or something I can't I think they were just teeth yeah yeah um so that was was that around the time where you were sort of getting started yeah or was that... definitely that was right during the time yeah yeah. Yeah, I took a, I did, um, it's sort of a long story, there's still a couple of years that are sort of a gap, but 
to, just to skip to the point, I guess, is that I had started doing a couple of like t-shirt design things for um, Ocean Pacific and for an Australian company called Insight 51. Um, I just luckily got there. I took, I made a zine. So I was like, I got to get my shit out there, you know? Like, so right when I quit my job, I was like, I need to get, I need to do every single thing I possibly can. I need to, you know, submit my artwork for every open submission of possible that I could find online. I need to put my stuff up in every coffee shop. Yeah. And, and I think you gave me one of those zines at the um, Thread Show. Yeah, I probably would That might not, I don't know if that was the first one or not. Oh man, I made so many of them. My thing, my MO for a while, and that's how I got the, the illustration gigs with OP and, um, and with Insight was to make the zines that during ASR, because I love surfing, um, I kind of picked that up when I lived in Australia, and I went down to ASR and I would just hand them out to every art director that I could find. You know, I'd go up to the booth for the company. ASR, I guess, for people who don't know, was a, uh, a trade show, an annual trade show that they did in San Diego where all the surfing and action sports companies would come to San Diego and have her convention. So I would go to the podium of like, you know, Bill Bong and Quicksilver and everyone and be like, hey, is your art director here? And if they said, yeah, I'd give it right to the art director. If not, I was like, get this to the art director. You know, yeah. it, was, it was my zines. And I would just hand them out to everybody. Right. And I got a new zine. I'll give you one before you leave. Yeah, cool. Parting gift. And so, yeah, that was sort of the beginning. That was how I first realized, like, oh, you can actually make a little bit of money this way. It was enough to kind of cover rent. And that yeah. sort of buoyed my confidence to, to go ahead and quit the job. And I was just kind of tired. I was working at a biotech company here in San Diego. And I was just getting a little bit tired of it and bored with it. So... Um, yeah, so that was... How, lo how long were you working with the biotech company before you got bored? San Diego? In San Diego, I was working for Genprobe for like four years. Just about four years. But it was a good job, and without doing that job, you know, without being able to, to have that income that I had and save the money that I did through that, um, I would never have been able to just kind of be like, okay, I'm going to take a year and not work. And just, yeah. Just try but even then, it. I'm sure it's still scary, you know, you're like... Fuck yeah. I mean, know, if you had to start over, you know, just those, like, processes of going through... Yeah, that. I mean, the th I think that's part of the thing is, is, like, we think about it so much. I mean, just waking up every day and getting in your car is, if you think about it, a pretty scary proposition, you know? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, right, right. It's pretty gnarly. It's but, risky. It's but you don't risk. think about it too much, you know, <laughs> yeah. because you just, like, you go off instinct, and you're like, well, I've done this a million times, I can do it a million times more. So, I think if you come to the... You know, if you come to life with that same, with your dreams and your hopes, if you come to those with the same sort of attitude as you do, with just waking up every day, you'll be all right. You know, just kind of, you know, hope for the best and go for it. Yeah. So, so you get a couple of illustration jobs, and then do you uh, start searching out fine art type of venues, like doing galleries and? I tried, man. I mean, it's let's see. How did, I think more precisely, it sort of was. Um, was like doing. I, I did a bunch of open submissions online, um, and one of the one of the websites that which I, are typically bullshit, right? Oh yeah, you want to talk shit like, on them right now? Because <laughs> they might be important, or should we let people go through that process? No, I mean, if it wasn't for that, I never, I wouldn't be where I am right now. You know, which is not like great, but hey, I'm making it. You know, it's yeah. just barely scraping by. But um, no, it was. Just so did you enter? Those... Sorry, uh, did you enter uh, like pay to submit? No, no, it wasn't. Okay, that's what I wanted to talk shit on. No, no, huh? Okay, good. No, I've kind of always stayed away from anything you have to pay to show yeah, your work. Yeah, because that's, that's typically a scam, but... Yeah. Okay, good. No, um, let's see. It was... Okay, so really, really important to this whole idea also was the web for me. There was a couple, two websites, Fecal Face and Wooster Collective, that I saw and was just like, holy shit, this is amazing. You know, like, mm -hmm. the graffiti, and then also that transition from, like, just straight graffiti into like street art was to me really interesting you know like I remember just being obsessed with Egon Schiele for a long time and thinking like well, what why didn't this guy just put his street his his drawings up on the street you know like how <laughs> great would that look just like these beautiful huge nudes uh, on the street yeah. and it wasn't until you know years later that people started actually doing that and that was defined as like whatever street art right and not just graffiti so I was really inspired by it and those were two websites at the time that I had found that were really doing interesting stuff kind of like promoting that scene not really promoting it but covering that scene um and so on wooster collective there was an open submission for a zine actually in london and oh, it was right. called pavement liquor or is called pavement liquor and i didn't know anything about it but i was still in that mode of like just submit everything and do everything i possibly can to get out there and so i submitted it to them and they were like okay yeah we'll, we'll run it and so they ran it and during the time that they ran it they 
had given a bunch of zines or were friends with a couple of the people at Pictures on Walls. And but they had seen, they saw it and they liked it and they wanted to make um, prints out of it. And the one guy actually who was, who was instrumental in the whole thing um, and who saw it and really enjoyed it was that guy Banksy. And at the time, this was like, you know, six, six years ago or something like that. And he, he, he was definitely a recognized artist, but it wasn't yeah, like the way he is now. Barely, barely known. Probably, yeah. I mean, right? he was known Just for me because... The, like, like the street art or graffiti. Yeah, community. yeah. The kids who knew, knew. Yeah. But everyone else really wasn't, hadn't caught on yet. And so, you know, when, when he had asked um, to do the print, I was like, oh, yeah, let's do it. You know, this could be good. And then they asked also at the end of the year, they did an annual um, show that they called Santa's Ghetto. And it was a group show, usually with most of the artists from Pictures on Walls. So I went out there and did my first real art show was in London. Uh, you know, it was a pop-up gallery that Banksy and the rest of those guys had found. And, um, and yeah, it was with that guy, Jamie Hewlett, and, who did Gorillas and this guy, 3D, the dude from uh, Massive Attack. And, I mean, so many, like, when I think back on, like, who the artists were, I was just like, holy shit, how did, how did I get involved in that mix? Yeah. But it was really... But it it's was, that hard work, right? That just... It was luck, man. Do you Didn't, feel like you still have that same, um, that same drive? It's like twice as much as it was. It is like way more intense. I spend, like when I think of the time that I, like at the beginning when I was doing the work and the time I spent with it, it was like half the amount of time I do now. Like I'm yeah. in my studio like 60, at least 60 hours a week, you know, just like cranking it. Whereas before it was like, I would probably work a 40 hour week, go to the surf, you know, surf twice a day and go skate. <laughs> it was like, yeah. well, I didn't take it as seriously. Yeah. I'm not, but I wasn't as committed. And now I'm just like, you know, I was shown a little bit of light. It was like, hey, you know, like you could possibly, your tiny little pinky toes in the door, you know? And like, mm -hmm. now I'm just trying as hard as I can to wedge my foot in there as much as possible. But yeah, it's a lot, I, yeah, it's a lot harder work now for sure. I take a lot more seriously. You've still got that youngster drive to you, saying still go get it. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes we, we hit plateaus or something, you know, if like things yeah. get too easy. Yeah. I noticed that with my with my exercise routine this year, like yeah. I really got in shape and then I got in shape and was like, oh, this shit is easy, son. Yeah. And then I kind of like let it plateau, but then I hit the other side of the plateau and it's all downhill. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, well, it's a constant, it's a constant battle of like, you know, feeling like you're doing really good and then, you know, getting completely checked and like, you know, having a really shitty show or doing something that just did not work out at all and then losing confidence and building it back up yeah. again. But you I, just keep that positive mindset, right? Yeah, I and I feel like as long I, as you can look at the big perspective and see that things are trending upwards, you know, I think that you're you're totally good there. It's not you don't want to get too caught up in the moment. I uh you just did a show in Berlin, right? You just got back not yeah. too long ago? Yeah, I got back from that like like three What's two Berlin weeks ago. like? Is it the first time you've been there? No, it was the second time doing a show out there, but it was the first time that it was a solo show. What's the city like itself? It's a, it's an amazing city. It's great. I mean, it's got all the kind of like the the great infrastructure and the kind of like beauty of an old European city, but you know, it's relatively cheap as kind of like your Western European capitals go and um like know, cheap to live. Cheap to live, cheap uh -huh. to eat, like relatively anyway. It's grow you know, it's growing quickly and being rapidly gentrified so it's not as cheap as it used to be but um it's still as things go if you're an artist in western europe and you need a good place to to do work and to show work it's a real it's a young and vibrant scene and i mean i would definitely if i was living in western europe and wasn't obsessed with the ocean and surfing i would uh, that would be a good place to live yeah i've heard a lot of good things like people are always super positive about it yeah yeah it's great it's a great scene so um, you you still do illustration work, right? Like you you've done stuff with Ruka, and I yeah. remember um, you did some stuff with Vans. You had those billboards that were running yeah. for a while. Yeah. How to how'd you get involved with all that? Um, well the let's see, well the illustration thing I guess was sort of from the beginning. I saw like a, a clear line that was that was like okay, if you can do illustration work on T-shirts, you can make a little bit of money. And because I was like I'm so obsessed with surfing, I was like, all right, let's do t-shirts for surf companies and so yeah it, the, the illustration thing was kind of like a way to get to get by and as far as Ruka goes it's still something that I work for I still give you know give them um, drawings and paintings and stuff to put on shirts but it, it's evolved more into like less 
do illustrations for our line of shirts and more like, oh, we like this drawing that you did. Can we use it? Yeah. Um, and that's typically the best way to go about it, right? It's quite sim It's simple for the artist, and it also gives the most true art, you know, as opposed to like doing art based on their themes. That's I've, doing... I've had this conversation where, you know, we talk about when we get uh, asked to do something specific, all of a sudden it turns into something different. It turns into yeah. like uh, not that same pure process of making the art piece that yeah. is exactly what you want to make. And when a company or uh, let's say a group or somebody is willing to say, oh, we really like this piece and want to use it in this fashion, like it's so it's such a, a, a better connection between a company and a, yeah. an artist. And, and I think the companies get a better product because of in at the end i guess that's what they're making yeah uh something that's a little more like honest right yeah i agree because it's, it's so sometimes when we get asked to do like a, an illustration it feels like like a pain it doesn't feel that it doesn't you don't get that same reward system that we get from yeah from making fine art or no whatever. it's always going to be kind of like second best it's never going to be really good work but um you know whatever it you know, whatever it's the hustle, man. Whatever it takes to pay the bills, you know. Yeah. Got to do it. Do you um, do you subscribe to any sort of uh, spiritual philosophies? I know a lot of your work uh, revolves around some of sort of mythical or mystical, yeah, religious type uh, topics. Sometimes, uh, do you? What What are your thoughts on some of that stuff? Well, besides think... the things that you make, right? Yeah, I mean, I, my interest in all of that, like kind of Hindu art and the folk art, you know, probably three years ago when I was doing a lot of that was just the aesthetic value of it. I just thought it was just really beautiful and really creative. And they were, I'm a figurative artist, and they were doing things thousands of years ago with the human figure and animal figures together that still to my, you know, when I see that stuff, I'm like blown away. I'm like, wow, oh, it's so creative. It's just so purely interesting. The narrative behind it and the stories behind it and the tales and um, the kind of the wisdom. I don't know. I guess I'm almost taking a bastardization approach to it where, you know, I like I I'm not interested in that. I just want the pure aesthetic. I that to me is what gets me excited, which I, I totally understand. And, and I do that in my in my own work, too. But there have there's some connection that you have to it, right? Like some sort of like emotional or like energetic connection that you have to that imagery. That I mean, makes yeah. you want to that you 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 uh, relate to it on some level, right? Yeah, yeah. I think just purely create creatively, like it's just so creative. It just blows me away. Like when I see that, like when you see artwork that is like that, that's just like, just so like astoundingly weird. Like to me, that is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm just like, holy shit, how did you think to put an elephant head and then six arms on like that beautiful woman's body and then have them <laughs> stomping on a lion, you know? Like yeah. it just is like, holy shit, that's awesome. And just for what... <laughs> type of art I liked it was just it really it like kind of like hit every button you know for me yeah I just really liked it but as far as the spirituality of it goes I'm not necessarily I don't really I think you know spirituality is just kind of like a worshiping of the unknown you know like you worship the things you don't know and you're interested yeah. it just seems like a little well I mean know. do you do you uh do you read about a lot of this stuff or are you interested in in continuing your your education towards these things to, to better yourself or uh... I think in the sense that it's it's a interest in the unknown like all artists are interested in the unknown and I think that's a lot of what we paint is about stuff we can't quite understand or haven't quite figured out but um in that sense yeah I'm always striving to like kind of like learn new things and find new things out so um but I do I subscribe to any you know central dogma or, or anything no like I, I've always found that thinking for yourself is the best way to go a lot of your stuff, particularly over the last year or so, maybe, has seemed um, like almost psychedelic, might yeah. be a, a descriptive uh, sure, yeah. terminology. Uh, do you partake in any of um, those sort of mindsets, altered mindsets? Sure, you... no, I think, I mean, it just in general, I have, I, I kind of get migraines a couple times a year. And through like the the process of the migraine, I get a lot of visual hallucinations in the first like thirty minutes of the migraine onset. And I mean, a lot of it's just like fractalization of the light that's already there. But sometimes it is not like I'm not like hallucinating, but I'll see you know shapes and forms that aren't there. Um, and so that's really unique. And I've kind of used that like the glitter effect that I've been using in my paintings is directly from that 
you know, it comes directly from trying to mimic that, that thing that I start feeling and seeing on bodies. Did you start getting migraines before you started painting or was it after yeah, you started no. painting? Ever since I was a little kid. Uh, yeah. Probably right around the time of puberty, I started getting them and still now get them probably once or twice a year. I've noticed that they, they, it's hard to pinpoint what they're caught, what causes them, but, um, you know, I can deal with it and, and suffer with it. And, and I found it's helpful on top of that. I, you know, I, you know, did my time with taking hallucinogens and stuff in college and still like to do like once a year, go out to Joshua tree and, um, take some mushrooms and kind of like get in touch with the unknown a little bit, uh-huh. but I don't take it too seriously. You know, when like when I am tripping, like I kind of like it, it's just uh, like a fun thing. It just to me feels fun. I'm not like too freaked out, and I feel like inside of me and inside of most human beings, there is just a general interest in being happy and having fun. And you know, like a lot of people really get super heavy with it and like, <laughs> yeah. get, to really read into it a lot. And to me, it's just fun, and you know, I can. I can kind of like get get back in touch with the reality of the way things are. You know, we can all get easily. You know, everybody gets so caught up in the day to day like worries and bullshit. And you know, the the mushrooms kind of it seems like they take you directly to you know they cut through all that crap and just go right to the the, the purpose of everything. Yeah, that weird connection that you feel with everything. Yeah, there's right? that, and you're that just oneness. like yeah, yeah, it's great. It's uh, important to remember that. Well, you know, I think I, I discussed this before that. Uh, people who have a stressful time and like get really worried about mushrooms and have like not very fun experiences are people who have like a lot of built up anxieties and stresses and fears about their own shit that the mushrooms make you deal with all that shit. Like you said, to cut through all that bullshit and make you deal with your own realities and then be like, all that's nonsense. Yeah. Look at at this strange. It really is. I think that's an important point that, you know, like I went into this most recent one, you know, a couple months ago thinking like, like, oh man, this could get gnarly. You know, I was really, I had a show coming up and I was kind of worried about that, you know, and I was worried, you know, like, you know, a lot of things in my life were just, you know, like any girlfriend issues and dog issues and all this shit that just gets stuck in your head. And I was, I remember as I was taking the mushrooms being like, oh man, this could get gnarly. Like, I wonder if I'll worry about this. But then, like, once I started the hallucinogenic process, once I started hallucinating and tripping, I remember just being like, whoa, this is, like, it, it totally makes things clear. And it's not like I went in there and was worrying about that stuff. It was like I went into the hallucination and realized, like, whoa, this doesn't matter at all. Like, don't even worry about this. Everything is cool, man. Like, yeah. it, it, so, like, for me, it was really helpful. And I think maybe for people who are suffering from anxiety, it could be a really helpful thing. I don't know, but... Um, you know, For given the right, great. given the right circumstances, I think that's a big problem in Western society is we don't have these like shaman types yeah. to help us deal with these like natural things that work naturally yeah. with with our minds. Yeah, they, they, you know, it's a little key and ignition process that works together. Yeah. You know? But then there's the people who like just go and want to party and get fucked up yeah. and be crazy, like Miley Cyrus smoking salvia. <laughs> I don't know anything about that, but but yeah, I think, you know, in general, when you're doing things like that, um, you know, don't, don't go to, you know, don't go to uh, Disneyland on mushrooms, you know, like go to the, go to the desert or go somewhere natural and beautiful. Just make uh, sense. I got in the, um, sensory deprivation tank for the first time with the, my last mushroom trip a couple months ago. Where did you find a sensory deprivation There's tank? There's four or five of them in San Diego. Really? Uh, yeah. There's a few that are at, like, higher-end, um, like, massage spas and stuff. Spa, spots. But I found one in PB that's sort of like this, like, holistic medicine, like, wellness center place. Huh. And it's, like, this Buddhist hippie guy that uh, set one up in the bottom room. Um, you know in PB how the houses are kind of set up, like, uh, offices and how there's yeah. a... They turn the houses into like yeah. workspaces. It's like that, and uh, it's forty bucks an hour, and you go in there and you just float, you know. And it was it was the first time I felt really relaxed and comfortable the whole day. Wow, it was great. I, I want to go back again and experience it. Well, actually, the next time I want to eat mushrooms, I want to try to set it up to where I can eat the mushrooms, then go get in the tank for like four or five hours, oh, and just ride it out what? in pitch black, you know. Huh. And just see what happens. Let the brain do all the work. But I'll start watching TV and shit will look all weird, you know. But oh no. I'd like Jeez. to do some I'd like to do some painting next time too. Yeah, I, I find I didn't work at all. Last for time. me always seems like the right way is like going into nature and just walking. And not really not getting That's what, stuck on one thing. We have a bunch of really cool trails out here. 
that yeah. we hike up and, and run around. I've been like running around in since I was a youngster. Oh, yeah. And that's what I did. Went up and hung out at the top of this mountain on a rock that overlooks the whole city yeah. for a few hours. Yeah. And then that got stressful and I got the fuck out of there. <laughs> <laughs> I've always found that, yeah, if you do it, I mean, if you just go be chill and go into nature, you're never going to have any issues. You know, you'll always be good. Next time, all by myself, I'm getting in the tank, and I ain't gonna deal with anybody for six hours or something. Well, except just yourself. Go wild, yeah. Because that that's be a crowd. Because that, yeah. Well, that's you know, that's if if I'm really taking the mushrooms to like expand my mind and get connected with myself, you know, like mm. that that's a good place to good place to do it. Because yeah. it kind of does it even when you're sober. You yeah. know, like people can go in those tanks and have hallucinations. Yeah. Just from cutting off the the sensory. You know, devices that our brains are constantly using. That's fun. Well, yeah, you ever, um, you ever do any yoga or any of that? Yeah, I try to do yoga twice a week. And I'm oh, at, twice a week, you're in there then. Well, I do. I just do it at my house. Yeah. And I have. Do I you have use this, YouTube? No, but I That's have. How a, I did that shit. My girlfriend <laughs> bought me a DVD probably like five or six years ago now, and I've just done. I've just memorized the whole entire thing. Yeah. I watch it, you know, every once in a while just to make sure I'm. I have it so memorized now it's not even a thing yeah it's about an hour and 15 minutes I try and do it twice a week I don't do it if I surf that day just because I feel like that's enough exercise yeah and I, I do a meditation every day after I eat lunch for about 20 minutes 15 20 minutes nice so yeah you're pre prepping the brain properly to get all that stuff out right yeah well I kind of feel like like you know there's that that quote from Plato that says a balanced mind and a balanced body and I've always sort of thought, like, you know, I'm going to get the best art out of my body if, like, my mind is calm and relaxed and my body is calm and relaxed. And I don't know, you know, it seems, it seems knock on wood, you know, it seems to be working and it kind of is the way I want to live anyway, you know, eating healthy yeah. and exercising and keeping my mind kind of relaxed. I'm a, I'm the a, mind part is the hard part. It's easy to get our bodies in shape. I've kind of found that they follow each other, you know? Like, if your body's kind of relaxed, your mind relaxes, you know? Oh, yeah. That, well, that, that's that's for sure. But <laughs> if you got a fucked up brain, it's harder to yeah. to deal with the, the brain issues. Because that's something I've been working on, you know? I was It was really easy to get the body in shape. It only took a few months to really get on the right path and know how to feel good, yeah. you know, properly. And, of course, and that gets your mind in the right state, but still, you yeah. like dealing with all those other outside stresses like yeah being... well, i think there's also i think with there's a there's a common misconception that there is a very calm and relaxed place inside of all of our minds that we should all be dwelling in and yeah. i think that's kind of bullshit like i kind of think like like the the modern world is like really intense and it's really stressful and it's really it can be kind of difficult you know and like that but should be mirrored in your head. Like, you do you think it's uh, it's like the div like the divine principle? Like, you're trying to attain this perfect uh, sort of level of consciousness that you can never really attain to. Yeah, I think a lot of that is bullshit. Like, you're never like. I mean, fine if that's what you want to strive for, go for it. You know, go for the mountaintop, and if you get halfway, you're still happy. Yeah, that's great. You know, if you're striving for enlightenment and you get halfway to enlightenment that's got to be amazing still <laughs> right but for me i've kind of just like i feel like embracing the chaos and being like instead of being afraid of it just be like fuck it like this is crazy life is stressful that didn't work out like just go with it you know like yeah. don't be afraid and just be more confident and, and it kind of works out because yeah, we always make it through right we always like sort of land on our feet like cats like we yeah. we, we get by the way we need to to survive well, in general if you're lucky and you live in the west then you know, you have a decent. Amount. Even if you don't, like, if you're if you're surviving and and you know, even if you're starving in Africa or something, you still got that mindset that that freedom of mind that you're you're alive and you may have something to live for. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. There's an instinct in everyone, or should there's probably an instinct in everyone, every living being to continue to perpetuate life. But... Not that we don't have a cushy, obviously. We got Yeah. I don't think we want to belittle anybody else's circumstances no, in life because we have it really easy, but yeah. um, relatively anyway. But yeah, yeah, everybody wants to live and, and be good. But yeah, I think embracing the chaos and not being afraid of it, it has for me been really a helpful thing to do. Do you have to remind yourself? Yeah, for sure. That a lot of times, you know, when I'm like, oh fuck, instead of being like so oh fuck, I'm more like yeehaw, you know, like just be like, All right man, this is getting crazy, but but like fuck it, you know, like I was I'm here once to live and like I wanna experience everything and if if all I got to experience is like failure for a little bit, like let's experience as tough as difficult as I can, like give me all of the failure that I yeah. can have and let me experience it. 
but you know, not to be afraid of and withdraw from it. It's like it's like the act of embracing with it and like playing with it that's gonna allow you to get out of it. Yeah, there's something in in most people where they don't ever want to be wrong, and to admit failure about something or to not yeah. to even to not be afraid of failing. Yeah, is to admit that that you you're not perfect, and I think I think that's hard for a lot of particularly non-creative types. I think it's easy for creative types. Yeah, because we have that time to think about it, right? Yeah. But for people who are working that nine to five job every day and yeah. paying their bills, they're like they don't ever want to be wrong. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. No, nobody wants to be wrong. But the general state of the world is failure and is wrong. You know, like m- billions of times more generations have failed than have been successful. You know, yeah. like we the fact that we're all here and you know we're that we're doing this podcast or whatever <laughs> people are listening to it means we're part of a line of like extremely successful and very very lucky people going back to the original life form on this planet you know like yeah. we're a direct descendant of that of, of perfect success all the way to there and so yeah i could see how you know failure would be scary but man we're so lucky and so you know like a little bit of failure is nothing as I always say I learn from my stupid. Like I embrace it. Like all the all the dumb mistakes that I make throughout my life. Yeah. I I have time to like go over each one and learn exactly what it is I did wrong and, yeah. and make a better choice the next time that, that Yeah. I think that that plays itself out very clearly in the painting process. You know, when you're when you're painting and you do something that typically is an accident or you feel like you fucked up, a lot of times that accident is a, is a clear step forward, is a way to be like, okay, you know, I just messed something up, but that's new. It's new. What can I learn from that, and how can I use that to my benefit? And, I mean, the the, the only way I've progressed is by failing, you know? Like, the only way all of us progress is, like, doing a painting and realize, oh, shit, that little thing over there, I can use that and do, you know, that little fuck-up. Uh-huh. I can use that, and I can make that my whole next series of paintings. One little happy accident? Yeah, those little, that's how we progress, man, those little accidents. Um, do, you, do you feel like you get the same rewards uh, from surfing as you do from from making art and doing yoga and these sort of meditative um, phases of life where you kind of zone out the other the other parts of, of reality well I think the re- yes I think the rewards are are all the same you're just learning you know like you can learn from surfing just like you can learn from painting or doing yoga um, or meditation or whatever you're whatever it is that you're doing you can learn from everything in life and so um, I don't know if I learn more from one or, or the other, but I think that for sure, 100%, I learn from both just as intensely. You know, like going and getting barreled, you know, that, that experience, you can roll that over in your head and draw metaphors like for a year or something if it's a really good barrel. And, you know, the same with a good painting, you know, you yeah. can just be like, all right, you know, you can learn so much from that if you just open to it. Yeah. Not it- like a, not like a you know, like a metaphysical kind of goofy way or anything, but like in a, in a real, you know, solid way, you can learn from these things. Yeah. I think, I think it just is that, that, that time to have some free thought. Cause I get the same thing just from golfing. Yeah. Right. So I'm just sure, out yeah. in the wilderness hitting a ball around, not really thinking about <laughs> anything else besides that. Yeah. And it sort of, it allows our brain to go into, into some sort of other function of thinking. Totally, man. That we're, 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 distracted with normal everyday life that we yeah. don't we don't have that opportunity to sit down and or just have a little fresh air and some free thinking yeah no it's it's important i think in general i've always sort of felt like it's important to connect with nature at least once or twice a day you know like even if it's for me you know surfing or whatever for you golfing for you know somebody else walking their dog or something you uh-huh. know like you, it can be a little bit of a connection with nature but i think it's important to hold on to that and be reminded of it each day a little bit are you you don't really stay connected with the I know we talked about the arsenic biology but do you yeah. do you try to keep up with uh, with modern day science and and the things that are going on because it's always a plethora of information right yeah. like every day they're just releasing new and new things yeah no I mean I don't necessarily you know read the trade journals anymore or pay too too close attention to what's happening um, in the world of microbiology but I do pay attention to the general science world I think you know science and and spirituality are two really amazing things and art as well i think they're they're fun things to stay on top of and see what the new kids are doing and what's happening out there because it is so amazing you know the, the advancements that are happening through you know you know everything that's happening in silicon valley and modern technology and science all that stuff is 
It's just super interesting. But yeah, more to your point. Yeah, I do. There are a couple times um, programs that I listen to on the radio and, um, you know, they're all little journals that I'll read every once in a while, but not to the extent that I was when I was professionally working as an artist. Yeah, and that, so that was something that you did, though. You like, yeah, do you I, keep up on the art world in the same way? Like, see what's going yeah, on I'm out there? Yeah, I'm pretty obsessed with it. You know, like, I'm pretty much, in, you know, interested in what's happening and what's going on at the museums and what's happening at the art shows and the galleries that I like and the people that I like. I try and stay on top of it, you know, like, you know, at least once or twice a week, you know, I try and get on the, the websites that I like and get on the, um, you know, little podcasts and stuff that I enjoy. But yeah, yeah, I try and keep abreast of what's happening. It's so great, man. Like, what what people are coming up with is just so awesome. Yeah, and the connectability to, to be able to get involved in other people's lives too, right? Yeah. Kind of get a glimpse. Oh, man, like I wouldn't, if it, if it wasn't for modern technology if it wasn't for the internet directly i wouldn't be in you know where i'm at now i mean i don't know what i would be doing but um yeah it, the internet has afforded me a lifestyle that i i could use to produce art we're pretty lucky to have uh come to age in the the internet age to see yeah. it to see it come to fruition like yeah. right from the get-go because i'm sure it's going to take on all sorts of strange evolutions into new and different territories yeah and, you know, get worse and worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, who knows? In general, I think you're lucky to be alive if you're alive. If you're animate and you're alive, you're happy. You're stoked. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, your beard is getting pretty serious. You working on that thing? <laughs> yeah, I haven't cut. Usually, I cut it off after every you know, like every six months, I'll do a solo show and I'll chop the whole thing off. But this one, I was go. I just haven't really been home in a month and a half, so I just haven't cut it. I suppose it's about time, you know, my girlfriend was getting bummed on it. Uh, That's usually it. I'm going to try to let mine grow. I started, it got it got a little wild, and then I had to cut it for ceremonial issues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I'm going to let it run again. Good for wintertime. Healthy. Yeah, it's weird. Especially for you out there in the cold-ass syrup. I can't deal with that cold-ass water. Or the sand. I'm not really a big fan of the sand. Either. Yeah, the yeah. Whole, the whole package. Sure, I, love them. I love them both, man. I can't get enough. I'm the happiest when I've got like sand in my ears. I'm sure if I if I caught a few good waves, I would be just as addicted as as all you surf on. Yeah, well, it's hard, man. Everyone catches the bug for different shit, you know. Yeah. Like, I got mine for surf for sure. What do you got coming up in the future? Let's plug some of your stuff. Um, that's a good question. <laughs> but I think let's see. The next thing I'm doing is a little. There's, there's a group show that Andreas is setting up, and so I'm just gonna put an old uh, painting in there. I've got. A thing coming up that I wasn't even super aware of, but it's happening December 30th here in San Diego. Um, it's a show, a kind of like a show slash party that Quint Contemporary is putting on. Nice. Um, Did they move into a new space yet? I'm not. I mean, I haven't, I haven't been, back been over in two there months, in forever. But, um, they, I don't believe have, but they may have gotten something organized in the last two months. I'm not sure. I haven't been over there since I've been back. I've only been back like two days. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I'm doing a show at that Lazaridis Gallery in um, November of this next year. And then in November of the year after that, I'm doing a show in New York um, that's kind of tentatively planned out right now. So Working on it. Yeah, that's a long ways away from that. Yeah. We'll try to get you on the podcast again in a year. Yeah, we'll cool. see. We'll see what's happening. Yeah. Um, where can people find your stuff at? Um, well, there's, you know, there's a the gallery. What's your, in what's your website? Um, it's my name, Kelsey Brooks, K E L S U I B R O K E S dot com. Dot com, right? Yeah. And you uh, got you got a you're on the Facebook and shit. I do have that Facebook, yeah. Yeah, easily connectable through that. Um, and then my email which is just on my website. So that's the easiest way, but you know, as far as other galleries that have the work, that would be, you know, the Quint Contemporary Art here in La Jolla. Or the um, Circle Culture Gallery. In Contact those motherfuckers. Buy some shit, right? <laughs> yeah. If you like it, go ahead and buy it. All right. Only if you want to. Not just because we said so. Yeah. Or you just look at it. It's free. All like right. It. You feel good about that? I think we're probably right. we got about an hour. Yeah. That's pretty good. All right. Thanks for doing the show, my friend. Yeah, brother. Thank you. Yeah.
Why did you believe all every word I said? Why did you believe? Believe a stranger, a stranger. Why do you women in this town let me look at you so bold? When you should have seen what I was in the last town, or in the last town. You should have seen what I was if I was a stranger. Than a stranger.